let's be great Let nothing get up in your way Starts right now, I mean today Go all out and don't delay Yeah, yeah, dedication Wealth and health ain't no mistaking Ay, Greatness is a lifelong journey Not a destination Lonzy Power the third He's here to help you, yeah that's true Talking development, talking investment Grow to be the best version of you Let's be great, time to see success You can tell the competition that you up next I know the haters are probably gonna be upset Cause we about to level up, homie we ain't done yet Let's go Wanna be the best and you ain't never settling Just need the information, you ready to give you everything uh, I got the connection you all deserve This is Lonzy, power the third This is for everyone, I mean all us You ready to win and I know you ready to boss up You ain't got a delay, weekend or weekday Ain't nothing stopping you, it's time to be great Let's be great, Hey, Let's be great It's time to see success Let's be great What's going on, guys? Welcome to another great episode of the Let's Be Great podcast. I have a special guest today by the name of Gavin Gaines. Gavin, thanks for accepting my invite. Lonzi, it's great to be on the podcast with you. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and look forward to providing some information. Oh, great, great. You mind giving the listeners a little bio about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so my name's Gavin Gaines. I'm a local Floridian, born and raised in South Florida. I have a law degree uh, from FAMU Law in downtown Orlando, and I have a bachelor's degree in legal studies from the University of Central Florida. Go Knights! And um, I currently have an active Series Seven uh, financial license, and I have a active real estate license as well. Oh man, that's a great. Great background, man. And that's why I had to get you on the podcast because I know you have a lot of information that the masses can use, including myself. So that was one of the main reasons I got you on the podcast today. So, Absolutely. I think anytime you can share information and help others out, um, even if it's just one piece of information, I'm all about that and all for that. Oh, man, that's great. That is great. So when it comes to investing, I got a quick question for you. Mm -hmm. Um. Do you believe in using other people's money or just saving a down payment to get into like real estate investing and things of that nature? Right, right. So that's that's a great question. And I, I think it really depends on the situation on a case by case basis. Uh, I think when it comes to investing in real estate, um, it's best to utilize your own money. When you're considering making an investment in real estate, in my opinion, you have more control over the investment and the choices that are made uh, in particular about that investment um, and also in profit sharing. So the more that you own in the investment, the more equity that you have in the investment, the better for a lot of reasons, in my opinion. Um, but that is a great question. Uh, the, the general rule of thumb is if you can borrow others' money mm -hmm. instead of utilizing your own, that's also uh, you know, a great way um, to go about um, minimizing risk uh, for yourself. Gotcha. Um, but in particular, it, it, it really just depends on the situation and how much – you know, money you'd be, you'd either borrow and what the terms of that, uh, you know, 
that type of transaction are um, for me to give any more information about that. But, but general rule of thumb, um, I would say when it comes to real estate investing, it's best to have your own money saved for that investment. Oh, that's great. That's great. Because on my end, I've been hearing a lot of, I'm quite sure you've been hearing the same, the good debt and bad debt that's going on right. now with, Oh, if you leverage debt, it's good debt. But if you don't leverage it, it's bad debt, which, like I said, it's been 50-50. So that's why yep. I, I'm quite – you into, you know, finances and yes. uh, things of that nature, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Yes. So when it comes to leveraging, using leverage in particular, basically uh, when it comes to financial investing, uh, I personally think that – it's good to do if you have experience or if you have um, a game plan, right? So a great example is if you say you have $4,000 worth of stock mm -hmm. in your brokerage account, right? And the brokerage company is going to say, hey, Lonzi, you have $4,000 worth of stock, let's say in Apple, and we're going to let you borrow – against that $4,000 in this account. And what they call that is margin. So you're using leverage on the assets that you currently own. Mm -hmm. So that $4,000 worth of stock. So th they basically are holding your assets and they're saying, well, you have $4,000 worth of Apple stock. We have that basically as an asset we're holding right now. So we'll loan you money based on this $4,000 of of uh, money that you've built up and you can use this to leverage or margin your account. And now we're going to open up another, let's say they'll give you 80% of the 4,000. So now you're looking at uh, off the top of my head, I don't know what 80% you're looking at uh, somewhere around, I'd say another, so you're sitting at around 6,500, 7,000 that you have now to invest. In the market. So what it does is using margin gives you more buying power and purchase power. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the that's the positive of using leverage debt in finance. That's one positive. But the obvious negative is if you're wrong and you're not really sure of what you're doing, you're borrowing against that four thousand in Apple stock. And what ends up happening is a lot of folks use leverage and they use they borrow against the assets they have, but if they make the wrong decision and their investments don't go up in value over time, they could actually go into the negative and lose some of the assets of that $4,000 in Apple stock, basically as an example. So you have to be careful when you're leveraging any financial investment and you have to have a goal and a plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why it's important and that's really getting into the weeds, but that's why it's important. If you are doing, you know, you're trading on margin is what they would call it. Um, it would make sense to have someone at least to check your plan with, uh, ideally a financial advisor. Um, but that, that's really getting into the weeds of investing. So as a general rule of thumb, I think using margin and leverage for, you know, good debt and bad debt and the differences, um, th there's pros and cons in both. And just make sure that you do your research uh, before making any type of decision when it comes to leveraging your debt. Oh, that's great. So what do you yep. think <clears throat> what do you think about 
people taking out of well taking out money out of their 401k to get into investing? Do you think that's a smart move or a bad move? You know, that's a good question. I would say that general rule of thumb, I wouldn't recommend uh, an individual withdrawing any money out of their 401k prematurely. Um, now, there are some exemptions and exceptions to allow you to do that without having any tax consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't provide any tax advice. I'm not an accountant or anything like that. But basically, um, I, I would say that using your 401k would probably be one of my last resorts to utilizing uh, you know, some of the funds that you may have accumulated over time in your 401k. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would stay away from utilizing your 401k for any investments in, in any aspect. I would let it, let it sit and continue to basically use whatever your employer is willing to match. Mm-hmm. That's the percentage that you should use and you should fund, right? So the best I've heard is, a, you know, a, an employer, for instance, let's just say Apple. If you work at Apple, Apple's going to say, hey, Lonzi, we're going to match your 401k up to 6%. So any money you put in up to 6% of your paycheck, we're going to match that dollar for dollar in your account. So the best strategy is to utilize the match that your employer is offering. It's free money on the table is what I tell people. Mm -hmm. So it's best to utilize that percentage, but don't put in more in the 401k account when it comes to investing because your options for investments in 401ks are generally a little more limited to what you can invest in. Whereas if you took that money and put it in a different type of investment account, you could see better results based on the investment opportunities that you have in that account. So that's kind of my rule of thumb with the 401k is I just wouldn't touch it. Just keep having your employer match and keep, keep putting in that percentage up to that amount that they match. And one question that I would just say um, that I would ask, uh, you know, for anyone listening to this podcast, you know, if you don't know how much your um, your company matches on your 401k, go find out. I would ask somebody. Uh, and as soon as you know what they what the percentage is, then you need to match to that exact amount. And the last caveat that I would say when it comes to 401ks and matching is if you're a new hire or you've recently been hired at a company, one thing that they that the company won't tell you is about whether or not that match that the company's going to make, if it's going to vest. So basically what they'll do is they'll say, Hey, we'll match you 6% of every dollar you put in your 401k, but we're not going to vest that amount. And that means basically we're not going to say, Hey, this money is yours free and clear uh, until you work for us for at least 12 months or in some cases, 18 months, some cases longer. So you really want to look. Yes, it's right. So what ends up happening is, uh, you know, folks match that 6% because they're with their employer for, say, 11 months. And instead of waiting until it hit that 12-month period um, for the money to vest, they would leave that job and they would miss out on that entire 6% that was going to be matched by the employer just because they left before the 12 month period hit for the money to vest in their account. So those questions are very important is asking. Yes. So how much does the employer match on the 401k? And then also when does the account in the, the basically when does the match vest 
And they'll tell you if you ask. Those are the questions. Those are the two important questions to ask when it comes to 401k plans. Wow, because I was reading the blog probably like a year or so ago, and they were saying how millennials are leaving millions of dollars on the table from bouncing from job to job, and they don't even know it. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yes, it's it's really is just you know more information. You know, the more powerful and 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 uh, and res- you know the resources are out there. Uh, you know, we're in an age of information, right? But. A lot of millennials, you know, are leaving um, for for right reasons. You know, I'm, I'm not saying they're they're bouncing around, uh, you know, for, you know, unjustified reasons. But these are basically just financial decisions that you can make going forward in your life uh, that can help you, you know, depending on, you know, any position that you have. As long as there's a 401k plan there, um, I'd, I'd ask if they match. Now, if they don't match from your 401k plan, that's when you should consider uh funding a different investment account for, say, retirement. Um, basically, a 401k plan um, was made you know, as a retirement vehicle for folks who work for corporations. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, that's one reason. But now there's another account called the Roth IRA. And that's what I recommend everyone open okay. that's listening to this podcast. And it's called a Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA was created a long, long time ago. Because the government knew that a lot of people don't work for corporations and have the opportunity to have a 401k and a match. So how are we going to help these folks out who say maybe they have their own business or um, they just want to start saving a little bit money on, on the side every month for themselves? That's an option that they can do is open a, is a Roth IRA. You can open that account. And basically, there's limits on the amount that you can put into the account every year based on your age but really the benefit to the Roth IRA is mm-hmm. it's tax free money you can access all the gains that you have accumulated in that account when you reach i believe it's 59 and a half is the age um so when you're 59 and a half you are allowed to take out all of that money that's gained and appreciated in the stock market tax free oh, and that's wow. the difference Yes. So it's tax free. And that's that's the reason of why you want to build. And that's why they have a limit, because they know if they didn't have a limit on the Roth IRA to yearly contributions, people would just pump those pump those accounts full of money because it's tax free money when they're 59 and a half and they can take that out. So I would say a Roth IRA is the most fundamental investment account that you can have as an individual. And it's the most important to start now if you don't have one. And that, that's just my opinion. Oh, wow. Because right now I have a 401k, but I don't have that account right there. I need to do more research and get into that because 59 and a half, even though I'm an entrepreneur now and I don't plan on working for a corporation for the long haul. Right. But I still need to look into that. That's, that's some great yes. information. Absolutely. It's good to know. You know, the reason I even got into uh, finance, believe it or not, uh, I was 16 years old and a guy came to my house and gave a presentation to my dad at the time Mm -hmm. about why I should open a Roth IRA and why it's important if you put away money now, how it grows. And if you consistently put money away, how by the time if you're 59 and a half, your account balance could be roughly around let's call it $2 million in assets. If you put away money now, starting at 18. So 
they have rules where you can't open a Roth IRA if you're under 18, but you can if you're if your parents are basically the guardian and they're holding the account uh, almost like a custodian for you, the minor. So there's ways to open a Roth IRA, even if you're under 18. And um, basically your parents would just be the, um, the primary account custodian, but you have all the legal rights and access to the money. As soon as you turn 18, uh, the account's yours and put directly in your name. But uh, I took advantage of that and I, and I started putting the money away in my Roth IRA. Uh, you know, when I was a server, uh, I would always just, you know, I'd put the money in the bank and transfer it over into my Roth and start building up the money in, the, in a mutual fund. Um, that's what I would recommend starting first uh, is a mutual fund and then, and then building from there. Um, so we can get into a little bit more about that and just uh, maybe some different type of accounts like the general accounts. I know we went over a 401k. We went over the Roth IRA. And the last account is the brokerage account. And a brokerage account is important because this gives you uh, access to the money and it's very liquid. So you can transfer money in and out of your brokerage account at any time. You can buy and sell in your brokerage account at any time. Oh, wow. There's, and, and the only thing you got to know about the brokerage account is you are taxed on capital gains in your brokerage account, right? Mm-hmm. So basically what that means is any money that you put into your brokerage account, if you make, say you put $1,000 in and say you make $200 in profit, so your stocks went up from 1000 to now 1200 that gain of $200 is going to be treated by the government as a capital gain. So you're going to have to pay taxes on that $200 um, when you sell. So when you sell the investments and you actually realize the gain, that is when you're going to be taxed on that amount. And there's something called a short-term capital gain, and there's a long-term capital gain. Anything, I believe, under 12 months is a short-term capital gain. Anything held longer than 12 months is a long-term capital gain. And what you want to do is you want to have a long-term capital gain, not short-term, mm-hmm. because short-term capital gains are taxed at a higher rate. Oh, wow. So, yes. So, there's pros and cons to using the brokerage account, uh, but I would say the first thing you should do is have a Roth IRA because that's going to set you up for retirement. The 401k is going to supplement your Roth IRA for retirement. And then your brokerage account, I look at it as more of a play account. This is where I put some money aside. You know, you got some savings at the bank. Why not grow it in the stock market in your brokerage account and have access to that money anytime? You can buy and sell it anytime and you can transfer it from your brokerage account to your bank and to and from at any time. So it's very useful today as an investment vehicle. I think a brokerage account is where you want to, you know, have fun, right? So buy some stocks uh, of some companies that you think have, you know, tremendous upside and that a lot of folks don't know about, or you think that um, their balance sheet looks good and it could be a good investment going forward. Um, So what I would say as a rule of thumb is when it comes to investing, if you're looking for growth in retirement, you have, you have to look at your time horizon. So for us, you know, we're in our thirties, you know, 30, I'm 30. I just turned 31 in August. Mm-hmm. So if I was going by the model of 59 and a half is when I would retire. Right. I got almost another, um, almost another 60 or I'm sorry, another 30 years until I retire roughly say 29. So for me, I have 29 years for this account balance to grow. 
So I can take more risk because I'm younger. But say somebody in their 50s or 60s, a Roth IRA wouldn't make sense for them because they're not looking to grow. They need money now. They need income now. So a Roth IRA is good for younger folks who want to have retirement money built up tax-free. And that's the most important. And I think the most important investment to having your Roth IRA is going to be a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you want me to go into kind of what a mutual fund is and please, the difference please. between? Okay. So a mutual fund, basically um, what it is, is it, it's, I like to describe it as, you know, that my, my, my scenario is this, everyone in their house has a, a, a bucket under the sink full of cleaning supplies. And, you know, you got your, you got your Windex, you got your, your, your Clorox, you got your scrub brushes. Uh, you have everything in that bucket that you need to clean the house. And it's the same thing as a mutual fund. The mutual fund has a lot of things in it. It's comprised of a lot of things. It's comprised of a lot of stocks and bonds and sometimes other mutual funds itself are within this big circle, kind of like the bucket under the sink. And the, the whole goal of a mutual fund, for the most part, is to help you reach your goal of retirement or to maximize and appreciate in value, depending on the type of fund. Uh, so say for instance, the Roth IRA, you're looking for more of a growth fund when you're in our age group. So what you want to do is you want to find a mutual fund. That's and all a mutual fund is, is it's stocks, it's bonds and it's other mutual funds all within this pie, within this bucket, like under the sink, just like the cleaning supplies. It's that bucket's, goal is to clean the house. The mutual funds goal is to make you money over time and appreciate in value. So it's comprised of stocks, bonds, and other mutual funds. Uh, and you buy basically a slice of the, of the pie. Every time you buy shares of a mutual fund, you're buying a slice of all those companies in that bucket. There's, mm. there's Apple, you know, Facebook, Target. So every time you buy a share of a mutual fund, you're buying shares of Apple, Facebook, Target, um, and other investments that are within that mutual fund. So what you're doing is you're diversifying your assets. And over time, if you continue to buy shares of a mutual fund for 30 more years, you're buying pieces of the pie of all of these companies. So if one goes down, there's a ton of others that are coming up. And over time, on average, you are going to make money in the stock market. And consistently, the market has gone up since its inception. And, um, you know, it's going to continue to go up regardless of anything that is continuing to happen uh, because we've seen it before. Um, if you look at the stock market since inception, we've had all different spikes and and rebounds, but if you if you step back and look at the market from the start to finish, you go to Google right now and type in, you know, um, type in the S and P 500 since inception stock market and look at the chart, and I promise you, it's going to be pointing up. So, so basically, that's it. So you got your Roth IRA, you got your mutual fund set up, and then that thing is going to get going and it's going to start growing. And so I like to say your, your, your mutual fund is like your earth, right? And in your, in, 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 in your, your investment account is the solar system and you got the earth and that's your mutual fund. That's your core investment. Now you like some stocks, you like some individual companies. Okay. I call those satellites. 
So let's throw out some satellites revolving around your mutual fund in your account. Let's build your account just like we would, just like the earth. Let's throw up some satellites. So let's buy some Apple. Let's buy some Target. Let's, let's buy some Lowe's. Um, those are things you can do to build a steady, healthy Roth IRA. So you get your mutual fund and then you, you, know, you want to diversify. Uh, you're getting your diversification within the fund itself. And then you can start adding stocks or others called equities. And basically all that is, is you're buying a share of a company. And some companies right now are extremely overvalued, meaning their balance sheet and cash flow doesn't really match or reflect the stock price. Uh, a good example is a lot of the tech stocks, right? So if you're looking at some of these tech companies, um, they're they're overvalued, in my opinion, just based on their financials. So value investors right now are frustrated and are are probably not performing as well as other investors. Uh, a value investor is someone who's looking for value when they buy. So they're saying, okay, what company right now is on sale or on discount? And it's not justified in the market based on the price per share of this company. And they're going to go, okay, well, based on all the financials that I'm looking at right now, this company is severely undervalued. So I'm going to buy some shares of this company as a satellite in my Roth IRA to surround that core mutual fund investment. And if you keep doing that over time, you're going to really find success in building your account value. Mm, great information. Great. I just want to transition. I want to transition a little bit, Gavin. Mm -hmm. So from what I heard so far, it seems like you prefer to invest in like stocks and mutual funds and things of that nature. But do you think mm -hmm. it's best to invest in stocks or just invest in like real estate? Great uh, what, question. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's a great question. And, you know, if you look at the most successful people that we've ever known, right, they would say you have to have multiple streams of income and you want to diversify your assets as much as possible. So what I would say is what you want to have is you want to have your 401k set up. If you have the opportunity, continue to utilize the 401k with the match percentage. So say it's 6%. You want to match that 6% that your employer is going to match and, and utilize that account. Then you're going to want to have your Roth IRA set up. You're going to want to try to max out your Roth IRA every year to that maximum contribution level. I believe it's $5,500 uh, a year. So you want to pump $5,500 in there every year if you can. Try to budget it in monthly. And then lastly, you have your brokerage account. I like the brokerage account because of the, the liquidity. You can take and, 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 and go with, with assets and money in that account on a daily basis. Um, so I like having those three accounts set up. Now, those are three different assets that are diversified in three different accounts, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you asked about real estate, that's a great question. So within those three accounts, you're going to have allocated to – real estate investment trusts, which are called REITs. Mm -hmm. And they actually invest in real estate in the mutual funds that you're buying. And a lot of those, those larger companies own real estate. So when you're buying shares of a mutual fund or you're buying stocks in a company, you really are buying in and you are diversifying in real estate more of a passive way because the company itself owns real estate. So that's one way to look at it. 
But now when I step my step out now and I'm stepping back from those financial accounts mm-hmm. and I'm looking at investments across the board, I think it's good to start accumulating some money in your brokerage account. Okay. And taking that money and then buying real property. Gotcha. And when it, when you come to buying real property right now, there's two things that are, that you can do, right? You can buy the property and rent it out annually, like a year, you know, a year lease. And there's pros and cons to that. And then there's another thing that folks are doing, which is very popular. And that's buying a property and Airbnb the property out. Yeah, that's so, very popular now. Right, right. Now, it can get a little dicey with Airbnbs right now because it's such a new thing. There, there are some inherent problems with Airbnbs, um, you know, pros and cons with, with anything, right? So with an Airbnb in particular, you just want to make sure that, that your community allows it, right? So for instance, uh, a red flag right away is you don't want to purchase a home in, an, in a homeowner association community or an HOA community because mm-hmm. they have restrictions against um, overnight rentals, basically what an Airbnb is um, because of the transient nature of having people coming to this home and they don't live there. They're just, they're just visiting. So a lot of neighbors don't want that kind of traffic in that transient neighborhood, you know, not really knowing who your neighbor is and they're not really treating the home as if it's theirs. They're kind of there as a hotel or as a, they might rent it out for a party. Um, you know, who knows for, for whatever purpose that is. So if you're looking to do Airbnbs, make sure you do your research there's a, a website called uh, Air DNA, and it tells you exactly about the zip code and how um, homes are priced and the most profitable zip codes for Airbnbs. And it also will tell you how much to charge during you know, holiday weekends, for instance. The rates should be higher based on the zip code's average Airbnb price. So there's some really cool tools that you can use for Airbnbs, um, and you can, make a, you can make a considerable amount of money uh, – you know, renting out Airbnbs. And I have friends who do that and family members who own, you know, multiple properties that they're Airbnb right now. Um, you just got to make sure that the, the local governments don't have restrictions against that uh, because right now a lot of the hotels are lobbying against Airbnbs. Oh, you took it right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you that. Do you think Airbnb is a threat to the hotel industry right now? Absolutely. It's a threat to the hotel industry. Uh, I think the hotel lobbyists and, 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 and industry in general are having a hard time filling that room, let's say, at the Marriott. The Marriott's going to charge $130 for uh, two, bed, two beds in a small 700-square-foot um, room when you could get for 130 a night, where you could, you could actually rent a house with a pool and a jacuzzi that's 2,000 square feet with your own driveway – for 130 a night. So people are flocking to the Airbnb option and giving up on the hotels, uh, you know, and, and now with coronavirus and the, the, you know, inherent problems being in a large building with others and going up the elevator and sharing the same air conditioning and space, that's less attractive to people right now. So, you know, I would say for sure, without a doubt, the hotel industry is having a very, very, very hard time keeping up with Airbnbs, and they're constantly pressuring the local governments and cities 
um, to have these regulations in place to prohibit Airbnbs. So that's something to be con considered when you're looking at Airbnbs. Um, particularly myself, I prefer annual rentals because annual rentals, what they do is you know exactly who your tenant is. You know they're going to be there for a year, for 12 months, up to 12 months. And you know how much money you're going to make that year from that property. Just based on, say, for instance, you had a mortgage. And that's the great thing about these, the annual rental. If you have a mortgage, say, say your mortgage is $800 a month. You can charge $1,100 a month to rent that home that you're paying $800 a month on your mortgage. So if you get a tenant, you're making, you're making $300 a month in straight profit and you're getting your mortgage paid. Exactly. And what that's doing is it's increasing your equity in the home. So it's a win-win. And lastly, the home can appre appreciate in value. So you, you're really, you're hitting home three different ways. You're making profit, you're getting your mortgage paid, and your home hopefully is increasing in value just by appreciating uh, over time. And so see, that, yes. Yeah. See, now you're, you're in my lane now. That is my goal right there to get in real estate in 2021 mm -hmm. and do mm -hmm. exactly what you just stated, to have someone pay the mortgage. Yep. And be in a position to where I'm getting the extra money on the back end. Yep. And like you say, it's appreciating over time and and all the good benefits that come with being a real estate um yes. investor. So you 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 right in my lane now, man. Absolutely. Yep. So that would be, you know, just grants, you know, just looking back, I would say I prefer annual rentals over purchasing a home to Airbnb just because of the amount of work that you have to do to maintain an Airbnb. It's almost a full-time job. Um, so if you have enough properties, you could literally do that full-time as far as managing an Airbnb situation. But I prefer to be a little more passive and not as active in that investment. And I, I like the money to come to me without you know the least amount of work. So I think the exactly. best way to do that, right, is the annual rental. Um, and I, I think that's a good way to go. Uh, I do want to mention one thing about the South Florida real estate market and the, and the real estate market in general right now. Um, what we're seeing in South Florida is two things. I think that housing is expensive. I mean, I think anybody could agree if you're in South Florida, even if you're renting, it's expensive, let alone buying. And what we're seeing is, is that prices in South Florida right now are high. Could they go higher? Yeah, sure. I think they can go a little bit higher, but now is not the time to buy, in my opinion, if, and here's a good example. In 2007, right when the recession hit in 2007, the housing bubble, houses in Florida dropped 60% that year, 60%, right? So if you bought a house now, hoping that it goes up in value even 10%. You have that huge downside coming when the prices drop. And they will. It's just a matter of time because that's what the markets do. It's, a, it's almost a yo-yo effect. And eventually, the housing, the housing market in South Florida uh, will come down. It's just a matter yeah. of time. And I think we're closer to that than, than we've ever been before. And I want to so, get your opinion on that as well. 
Right. With the pandemic right. and everything going on, do you think the housing market is going to crash? And I was mm-hmm. going to ask you, do you think it's a buyer market, a buyer's market, I'm sorry, or a seller's yep. market right now? Right. Great, great question. I think there's there's multiple factors going on right now in South Florida. Obviously, you're seeing an influx of people moving from New York, from New Jersey. They're leaving the condos. They're leaving the city life, and they're moving to the suburbs. They're coming to Florida, right? Now, that's pros and cons to folks in Florida and, and for real estate in, in particular because what's happening is the pandemic is playing a huge effect on the market in Florida. And if you st- step back and look at what propels the market in Florida, what industries are popular and what is the what is the most consistent industries in Florida? And really, it's it's going to have to be between healthcare and so you got healthcare, uh, you got the government positions; those are the most steady positions, and then you have hospitality. And hospitality has taken a huge hit in the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Small businesses are going out of business. Um, PPE loans just to stay afloat uh, to service their debt to try to make it through this pandemic. And, and stay profitable and stay afloat. So what they're doing is they're letting go all of their staff. They're getting rid of the cooks, the servers, um, hospitality. If you look at the hotel industry, the front staff, the front desk, the bartenders, um, anybody in the food industry, these industries are being crushed right now. And these folks who typically would rent in South Florida are running out of savings and they don't have jobs. So what's going to happen is as soon as they lift the eviction and um, the moratorium on evictions, unfortunately, you're going to see a large amount of evictions and foreclosures that are going to start coming in South Florida. And that's going to turn the prices in the market. And that's going to plummet prices. In my opinion, I, I do foresee the pandemic playing a direct role in the lead of foreclosures and evictions, and it's only going to happen. They're basically kicking the can down the road on evictions, rightfully so. I don't think anyone should be evicted from their home because they lost their job due to this pandemic. I mean, this hasn't happened in a hundred years, but at the same time, you have to look for opportunities in the market. And right now it's a seller's market because sellers there's, there's limited inventory right now. And when there's limited inventory, there's not as many houses for sale. Sellers can be a little more um, picky on who they sell to. And they might want to sell to somebody who's paying cash so they don't have to wait for the financing of uh, a lender uh, to come out and approve and do an appraisal and go through that process. They just take the, they'll just take the cash. So they'll take the guy from New York, move in from the condo, and he just comes down and pays in cash and he's ready to retire. He'll buy the property in cash. Uh, but okay. the long story short is it makes more sense to wait to buy for that big drop. Like in 2007, when houses went down 60%, that's the time to buy. So wait, wait for it to bottom out unless, and here's my caveat, unless you're looking to buy a family home, right? Say you're 30, you have a wife and some kids, and you want to live in this home for the next 15 to 30 years. Now could be a good time to buy because of the historic interest rate lows. So Mm -hmm. to borrow money right now, historically, the interest rate is lower almost than it's ever been. Uh, It's very low. So it's cheap to borrow money. So that's the only benefit is if you're going to stay in that home for a while and you don't really care about the value of the home as much because you love the home, you're okay with paying the price of the home, and you know 
you have locked in the lowest interest rate possible right now. Even though the value's high, the interest rate's low. So over time, if you're living in that home, you will probably come out on top as far as appreciation and uh, you're going to get your value out of that home. So that's the only scenario I would say is to buy now is if you are financing and you get a great interest rate. But besides that, it's a seller's market. So, And I agree with you on that because on my street, in the last, I would say, two weeks, I have seen two houses for sale. Mm-hmm. So, man, and, and I do believe, like, maybe a year or so from now, it's going to bottom out. Yep. You know, a lot of foreclosures or evictions and all that stuff is going to happen. And then I'm not saying it's the perfect time, but that will be the perfect time for investors yes. to jump in. Yes. And, uh, and start investing in real estate because it's going to drop. You know, the value of houses are going to drop. Yep. And it is going to be a great time for investors. Yep. And uh, a fun fact, Florida was the number one state of foreclosures in 2007, I believe. So mm-hmm. the opportunity is here. Once that drop occurs, it's, it's, it's a scary time. I mean, I remember it um, like it was yesterday where there's homes, beautiful homes, five, five bedroom homes. Um, you know, four baths, a pool, uh, 4,000 square feet, sitting empty, grass growing in the yard, you know, uh, bugs all in the home because nobody could care for it because it went to foreclosure. Um, there's so many foreclosures that happened. What ends up happening is the prices drop and the options are there for the buyers. So if you're a seller and you wait to sell uh, for the drop, once you wait and this drop occurs, you're going to be in trouble because there's going to be homes available at a discount and there's going to be tons available right now. There's not as many available. So if you, if you were considering selling, I would consider seller selling sooner than later uh, to secure that value that we have right now in the market. Uh, that That's just my, you know, my personal opinion. Hey, and I agree with you on that, Gavin. Right. I totally agree. Yep. Yep. So, and I would say one more thing about the stock market, I think it's important right now. We're coming up Mm -hmm. to an election, right? And either way you look at it, I think right now, just specifically speaking investments in the stock market, um, historically, we've seen extreme volatility around elections. And right now, we're seeing a lot of volatility with a lot of things going on in our economy. And your previous guest, Brandon Davis, uh, you know, made, made a great point. And he's all about buying on the dips, buying on the day that the stock market's in the red, right? And okay. all I'm saying is, regardless of who gets elected, the market will reflect that for a short period of time. So if Biden gets elected, the market may dip. If Trump gets elected, the market may dip right away, like maybe, maybe five, maybe 10%. It might just, just drop and people are going to get scared and that's normal. But what I would say to you is if that happens and when that does happen, because it is going to happen historically during the elections, we do see a little dip, but the rebound will be stronger than ever. And if you bought stocks on those days that it was red, you are going to come out on top you are going to come out on top in your account and you're going to make a tremendous amount of money once the market jumps back to its normal you know, course. And, and, and it will. So I would just challenge you, if you're listening to this, to look for those days in the red and have your eyes on some companies that you want to invest in and buy 
buy shares of them in bunches on those days. And that's called dollar cost averaging, where you're saying, okay, a month, I'm going to spend $25 in my Roth and I want to invest in some stocks. So on the, on the red day, you might want to take, um, you know, your $25 for that month and buy Apple because, you know, the next month, Apple's going to be a little more expensive. So, but if you keep averaging every month, you keep buying more and more shares of the same company, you're going to dollar cost average your cost basis. It's going to get lower and your, your, your growth and profit's going to increase. So that's just a rule of thumb for investing. Look for the red days and, and buy, 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 because um, the market is going to consistently ramp up. And um, I do believe that that's your best strategy. Okay, so do you think it's a perfect time now with everything going on to get in the stock market? I think right now is a good time to get into the market. Uh, you know, anytime you, you can't time the market is what they say. You can never really time it. But what you can do is you can start today and start building. And I think the market's going to be volatile. And, and here's, here's my one sentence that I say to everyone when it comes to investing. You got to take the emotion out of investing. And that's what financial advisors are trained to do. So my Series 7 license, I was literally trained to take all of my emotion about what's going on, who's going to win the election, um, you know, uh, is a hurricane coming, uh, you know, is, are, are, is there a terrorist attack, what's going on in the Middle East, what's happening with, with oil prices, what, what's going on. Those are factors, but people tend to invest with emotion. They buy at the wrong time. They buy when the price is high and they sell when the price is low and they lose mm. money. And that's typical for people, but people aren't trained to invest without emotion. So when you look at the numbers, and that, number, yeah. I'm, uh, yep. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just saying if the numbers are right and you have conviction in your strategy, then you execute and you buy those shares or you buy those shares of the mutual fund. You buy that stock and you continue to add when it's red. People are selling. At the wrong time, when it's a red market, everyone's selling, selling prematurely, buy, buy those companies that you like at that time, because that's the time to buy. And that's, that's basically the premise of take emotion out of investing. Um, if the numbers make sense, they make sense. You gotta, you gotta have faith and conviction in your strategy. And what goes down is going to go up eventually, right? For the most the part, market. yes. And that's why you want to diversify. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. I would say try to try to try to buy multiple companies. That's why I think a mutual fund is a safe investment for beginners who are looking to build for retirement. Uh, a mutual fund does exactly that. It gives you the diversification. So if one company goes down, you got a lot of others that are going to bring up your account. Mm. Yep. Diversify your portfolio. Yep, that's that's the key. And and yeah. and like you said. Real estate's a way to get investment, you know, to have alternate sources of income, uh, your stocks and your investments in your financial picture uh, for stock market type investments is another way. And then lastly, I was going to say I would utilize the brokerage account to grow funds to invest. So another another company I was looking at with with Brandon Davis, actually, uh, about a year ago, we were looking mm -hmm. at buying a coin laundry business. Because, oh, wow. yeah, right. So coin laundry might not be the prettiest business, but profitability wise, they're one of the most profitable businesses to buy under one hundred thousand dollars in the United States today is coin laundry. They they provide a service. 
the service is, is it, there's a need in the market and a lot of people just don't want to deal with it, but they're not that expensive to own and operate. And you make a great profit on coin laundry. That's one of the lower levels. And then you can do, you know, there's, there's some cleaning businesses that you can own, um, commercial cleaning, uh, mobile detailing. Those are some of the low level businesses that you can buy into with a partner. So Brandon and I, uh, eventually we're going to, you know, find, find the right companies and start, you know, purchasing and, and, and basically taking over uh, a company that already shows you it's, it's debts, it's assets, it's liabilities, how much it, it makes every year. And once you have the money saved up in your brokerage, transfer it to your bank, go ahead and buy that business, make a partnership. And now you own another stream of income. And eventually they just repeat, repeat and, and find, you know, find some solutions and options out there. Uh, so you're not so dependent on the corporate lifestyle of working, you know, working for a, a large corporation. You can actually make your own schedule and control your own time and time block and have fun and live, a, you know, live a fun life while we're young. And, and that's the goal for me is to transition out of the corporate world. You know, I have right. a great job, but right. I feel like it's more. It's more out there for me. Right. And, you know, investing, I think that's that's the way to, you know, create the life that you want. Absolutely. That's for anybody. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Absolutely. I think uh, you, you got the right you got the right mindset and you, you, you hit it home there. Basically, I think it's all about the transition how to transition from your corporate or your everyday job into multiple streams of income and having more control over your life and your time. Exactly. Right. And, and that's very big for me. But uh, Gavin, let's transition a little mm-hmm. bit. We, you know, kind of towards the end of the podcast and I had um, three great questions I wanted to ask you. Sure. Are you ready? Yep. I'm ready. All righty. If you can meet one person, that has accomplished something great, who would it be? Oh, you know, that's easy for me. Uh, I would 100% want to meet Tupac Shakur because he was able to, in his time, he was able to not only build a successful record label, a business, multiple streams of income, uh, but he was able to influence and help so many people. Um, and forever he, he's been able to do that, uh, you know, since his passing. So for me, it's easy. It's Tupac. Uh, he was a game changer on every level, his energy, his, uh, confidence, you know, those are things that translated to me. And I really think, uh, you know, that, that, that's a hundred percent who I would pick. And one of the things I heard about him is that he was a scholar. Yeah. He put on the image as, you know, a gangster or a thug or whatever, but he was very, uh, you know, smart. Yes. He was super educated. He 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 loved to read and write. He took the time to learn. And I think the biggest um, I think the biggest problem that most people have today is nobody's willing to just listen. Everybody wants to just talk. They wanna they wanna respond, but nobody's really listening. And Tupac listened and, and he really did, you know, translate what he was hearing and reading and learning to his, his real life and to action. And he was, he was on another level uh, years ahead of his time, in my opinion. Oh man, 25. And he was able to, uh, you know, get his message across like that. That was major for me. I'm talking about 25 and all the videos I have seen of him. I'm talking about, man, he's very powerful, man. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, question number two, what do you think is holding people back from achieving greatness? I would say what's holding people back from achieving greatness, 
would come down to settling. I think too many people are settling on every aspect of life. They want to check the box, right? They want to check the box in every category because it's okay. That's what their parents told them to do. That that's what that that was the framework that they were given. And I challenge mm. people that hear this call, if they're still listening to this podcast at this point, not to settle. Don't settle in your career. Don't settle with goals. Don't get content. Keep pushing to be great. And don't don't just fall into the framework of working that you're going to work that corporate job and that it is what it is and there's nothing you can do. Um, there's so much information out there. You have to utilize that information. Be positive and bring energy every single day and pursue whatever it is that your your goals are. I, I challenge you to pursue those and have them written down and, and have a plan and a, and a strategy. So I would say that, that to me, I think most people just are settling and they're not really pushing themselves. Yeah, and a lot of people, they, they're scared to find that courage to even make that leap, man. Right. So right. That's, a great, that's a great answer. Absolutely. And last but not least, your definition of greatness. My definition of greatness is the ultimate competitor, right? Somebody who refuses to give up and refuses to lose. Somebody who has character. Uh, somebody who doesn't cut corners when nobody's watching. Somebody who can mm. see the big picture even if it's not right in front of them, they have to have faith and conviction. And if you look at greatness, I think of, when I think of greatness, I think of Ray Lewis. And I think when I think of Ray Lewis, I look back to his days at the university of Miami and what he was able to accomplish. It all came from his mindset and mm. he was willing to outwork his opponent. Anybody he played or anyone in his position, he was trying to be better he would literally outwork his competition. He may not have been the smartest. He might not have been the fastest. He might not have been the strongest, but you could guarantee Ray Lewis was in there working hard at his craft every single day. And um, I think, I think also Kobe Bryant, when I think of greatness, I think of his Mamba mentality and how Kobe would train four times a day. He would eat, He'd work out, he'd get up at 3.30, he'd work out, he'd eat a quick snack, he'd get back in the gym and work out again. And then by the time his teammates woke up, he said, I already worked out twice in the gym, but I'm ready to go with you guys now. And they're like, wow, this guy's different. He's literally different. And if you can separate yourself like that daily, by the, give yourself a month, you're going to see yourself pulling away from competition. Give yourself three months, you're definitely going to start pulling away. After a year, they're never going to be able to catch you if you know what your goals are and you pursue your goals and you have that mentality, the Mamba mentality, you know, the, just, just what does it mean to be great? It means separating yourself when no one else is around and putting in the work when no one else is around. And, and you say it's all mental, huh? Absolutely. It's a hundred percent mental. Uh, once you change your mindset, it, it will never be the same because you literally can accomplish anything you put your mind to. It's just a matter of how much time, energy, and effort you put in. Uh, and you're going to get those results out. You know, nothing happens overnight. Um, but I think if you consistently focus and you, you approach every day with a goal and you have a strategy, you don't just wake up, and roll out of bed, not really knowing, you know, 
or having any drive or, you know, you got to be focused to have the drive, to have the energy. So I would just say, you know, again, greatness, it, it comes down to it's 100% mental, but then you need to translate it into physical and action. And I think if you can do those things consistently and not burn out, and that's important is to not burn out, but consistently make it work within your schedule, you can reach whatever goal it is that you're trying to reach and accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. But I challenge you not to settle and to continue to push uh, because you're going through pain in life or you're going through hard times in life. Um, you might as well get a reward from it. Just like uh, Eric. Oh, Thomas. Man. So, you know, oh. yes. So hey, you, Eric hey. Thomas, th- th- that is my guy right there. That's my guy, right? So hey, he's that st- is my guy. He got me if you're going. Go through pain. Get your get a reward from it. You're right. You're right on that. Yes, exactly. So you know, Eric Thomas is is fantastic, and he hammers home exactly that. And I just I, I live it. I live that mentality, and I think that's why you know um, it, it it's not for everybody. Uh, you know, you you have to really want whatever it is that you're pursuing. But if you do those things, you'll be able to get a law degree. You'll be able to uh, be a Series 7's licensed financial advisor if you want. You can do whatever you want as long as you focus and you drive that energy uh, to, to, to get that outcome. Anybody can do it. It's a mindset, 100%. Man. And Gavin, thank you again for joining today's podcast episode. I can't wait till we can do this again. Absolutely, Lonzi. It was it was great talking to you, and I love your podcast. I love the energy, and anything I can do in the future, you know I'm there for you. All right, next time. All right, sounds good. Woo! Yeah, let's be great. Hey, let nothing get up in your way. Starts right now. I mean today. Go all out and don't delay. Yeah, yeah. Dedication, wealth, and health ain't no mistaking. Hey. This is a lifelong journey, not a destination. Lonzy Power the Third, he's here to help you. Yeah, that's true. Talking development, talking investment, grow to be the best version of you. Let's be great. Time to see success. You can tell the competition that you up next. I know the haters are probably gonna be upset. Cause we about to level up, homie. We ain't done yet. Let's go. Wanna be the best and you ain't never settling. Just need the information. You ready to give you everything. Uh, I got the connection you all deserve. This is Lonzy Power the Third. This is for everyone. I mean all us. You ready to win? And I know you're ready to boss up You ain't got a delay Weekend or weekday Ain't nothing stopping you It's time to be great Let's be great Let's be great It's time to see success Let's be great